We're going to be learning Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim Halevi, the sixth and final piece in Hilchus Yisurei Bia. This is Perak Yud Zayin Halacha Beis, and our learning should be Le'iloi Nishmas Rav Aaron Chadash, the longtime Mashkiach of Yeshivas Mir, who was the son of Rav Meir Chadash, one of the Altar of Slabodka's primary Talmidim. Harav Aharon David Ben Harav Meir Halevi. The issue that Rav Chaim is discussing in this piece is when a Kohen is with a woman he's prohibited to, so she becomes a Halala. She is now transformed into being prohibited to all Kohanim, even if her status would change and she should be allowed, but she's now prohibited forevermore. And uh, any children that they have are also Halalim. So Rab Chaim's trying to understand the mechanics of how this transformation of the status of the woman and the children occurs. The Rambam writes, this is a somewhat technical and complicated halacha. He says, There are three women that are prohibited to all kohanim, a divorced woman, a zona, a promiscuous woman, and a halala, this woman who's become usher to kohanim. So any kohen who marries one of these three types of women, Bain Gadol, Bain Hedyo, whether he's the Kohen Gadol or a regular Kohen, Ubaal Loka. If he then is together with her, then he gets punished, he gets whipped. But if he comes on to her without marrying her, then he does not get punished for any of these three violations. Because the Torah says that the Kohen cannot take her, which implies marriage. So it implies only if he marries her first, and then he's together with her, then he gets punished. But without a marriage, he would not get punished. But there's a fourth type of woman who is only prohibited to a Kohen Gadol. That is a widow. A widow is permitted to a regular Kohen and only prohibited to a Kohen Gadol. So if a Kohen Gadol is together with a widow, even without marriage, he gets punished. Loka achas, And this special rule that a Kohen Gadol gets punished even without marriage to a widow, we learn out from the Pasuk, Lo Yichalel, that he cannot defile. Kivan Sheba'ala, as soon as he came on to her, Chilala, he already defiled her. She's now a Chalala, Upasalikahuna, and she's prohibited to a Kohen, even a regular Kohen now. In other words, he transformed her from being an Almana, a widow, and now she's a Chalala, and therefore he gets punished. So that's why there's a, an exception to the rule, and a Kohen Gadol gets punished for being with an Almana, even without marrying her. Avalzona v'chalola v'grusha, but the other three, harehin mechulalos v'omdos kodem b'ilaso, they are already halalas, so his being with them did not change their status. Therefore, he does not get punished unless he violated lo yikachu, which involves marriage. So that's why the Kohen Gadol with an almana is the one exception to this rule, because through their relations, he turns her into halala, so he violates lo yichalel. Now, the Ravid disagrees, he questions this Rambam, he says, He says that we learn out a Kohen Hedyot from a Kohen Gadol with regard to their children becoming halalim, being defiled, with the Gzeir Shava, it says zona, zona in each case. So logically, the Ravid says it doesn't make sense, the Rambam's position, that lo 
Yisrael is only applicable to a Kohen Gadol, it doesn't apply to a Kohen Hedyot, if we're learning out Kohen Hedyot from Kohen Gadol, then he should also have the prohibition of Lo Yechalel in some cases. So the Raiva says, Hilkoch Yadadininu Bisuraihu, that uh, both the Kohen Hedyot and the Kohen Gadol are going to have this prohibition of Lo Yechalel, unlike the Rambam who says it only applies to a Kohen Gadol. Now, the Raivid then explains where the Rambam got it from. He says that the Rambam read the Gemara in Kiddushin, which says, Kohen Gadol ba'almana loka shtayim. A Kohen Gadol who's with an almana gets whipped two times. There's two prohibitions. Achas mishim lo yikach, achas mishim lo yichalel. One is because of lo yikach, one is lo yichalel. So the Rambam read that Gemara carefully, and it only talks about a Kohen Gadol being punished for lo yichalel. And throughout the whole Gemara, it keeps talking about a Kohen Gadol. So the Ravid says, Vahu savar davka Kohen Gadol. The Rambam concluded that the whole prohibition of Lo Yechalel only applies to a Kohen Gadol. Otherwise, why didn't the Gemara apply it also to a Kohen Hedyot? So that was the source from which the Rambam derived that Lo Yechalel is special to a Kohen Gadol. Says the Ravid, Velo, he, no, he reads it differently. The reason that that Gemara is only talking about a Kohen Gadol uh, with Lo Yechalel is because that is a special case. The Gemara itself establishes that the case of that Brisa is where he didn't finish the relations. There wasn't a Gemar Bia, so therefore there wasn't Chilol Zera, and that's why it doesn't apply to a Kohen Hedyot, but that's a specific case. In general, had he finished the Bia, then the Lo Yechalel would apply to the Kohen Hedyot. So that's the Machlokas, the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam holds that Lo Yechalel is a special Halacha which applies to a Kohen Gadol and an Almana, and the reason is because the Grusha, Zona, and Chalala are already uh, standing Chalalim. Nothing changed through this Bia. So there, the Kohen Hedyot only gets punished for Lo Yikach, and the Lo Yichalel is special to the Kohen Gadol. The Raivid disagrees and holds that Lo Yichalel applies also to a Kohen Hedyot if he goes ahead and finishes the Bia. Now, this is all a Gemara in Kiddushan on Daf Ein Ches. The Gemara says that the Rabbi Yudah said that a Kohen Gadol and an Almana gets whipped twice. One is Lo Yikach, one is Lo Yichalel. That's what the Raivid had quoted. And then the Gemara asks, what about Lo Yichalel Zaro? Not only has he defiled the woman, but he's also defiled their kids. So the Gemara answers, Bishlo Gamar Bia. So that doesn't apply in this case because he didn't finish the Bia. And further on in the Gemara, it says, Amar Abaya Kidesh Loke Baal Loke. Abaya says that if he married her and then he had relations, he gets Malkus for each one. The marriage is a separate prohibition and the relations is a separate prohibition that he gets punished for. Rava Omer, Baal Loka, Lo Baal Eno Loka. Rava says that no, you only get punished for the marriage if he goes ahead and has relations with her. And the, the reason is because it says, Lo Yikach, Lo Yichalel. He shouldn't marry her and he shouldn't defile her. And Rava explains, Matam Lo Yikach, Mishum Lo Yichalel. It's a running sentence, it's uh, continuous. The reason he shouldn't marry her is to not defile her. So that's where Rava gets his shita that only if there was a bia does he get punished at all, but it, without a bia he won't get punished just for a marriage. And then the Gemara says that Rava admits with a Kohen Gadol and an Almana that if he was Baal but he didn't marry her, then he does get punished because it says, Lo Yichalel Torah says he shouldn't defile her kids, and here he did defile his kids. So therefore, he would get punished even without a marriage. So the Rambam is ruling like Rava that a, in general, a Kohen Hedyot needs to have marriage and Bia. But the case of the Kohen Gadol and an Almana only needs Bia. Even without marriage, he would get punished. 
Now, Reb Chaim summarizes nicely the conclusion of this sugi. It's a little confusing, but basically, if there's both marriage and bia, then he would get punished twice for lo yikach and lo yichalel. And if there's not just Bia, but there's also Gemar Bia, so he finishes the act of Bia, then he gets a third punishment because of the Chilol Zera, he defiled the kids. And if there's just Bia without marriage, then he only gets punished once for Lo Yichalel, not for Lo Yikach. Now, the Rambam added to this that the situation where he gets punished for Bia without marriage is only with regard to an Almana, so it only applied to Kohen Gadol, but it doesn't apply to Grusha Zona V'Chalala because they are already Mechulalos V'Omdos. They are already in the status of a Chalala. So there's not going to be a punishment in that case for Lo Yechalel, which would be a punishment for him making her into Chalala. That's not what happened through this Bia. Only for Lo Yikach, which is a punishment for having Bia with marriage beforehand. So that is, is a punishment on the act of Bia. So that uh, is going to apply in this case of Zona Grusha V'chalala. But Lo Yechalel is not going to apply because that is a punishment for transforming her into Chalala and that does not happen because she was already a Chalala. So that's what the Rambam is coming to add to what it says on the surface of the Gemara. And the Ravid also agrees to this. This is how Rab Chaim explains it. He too fundamentally agrees that lo yechalel is a special prohibition to change the status. But the Ravid differentiates between changing the woman's status and changing the children's status. So even though in these cases of Grusha, Zona V'chalala, the woman's status doesn't change, but the child's status, any potential child from that union would become a halal through this act of Bia, and therefore there is a prohibition of lo yechalel in those cases. So whereas the Rambam sort of grouped the woman and the future children together, and he says that unless both of them are becoming halalim, are getting defiled through this Bia, then lo yechalel doesn't apply. The Ravid differentiates and says if it's even just halalim for the kids, then lo yechalel still applies and he gets punished for that. So that's why the Ravid says it does apply to Grusha Zona V'Chalala, even though the woman is already a Chalala, she can't marry a Kohen, so he didn't change her through this Bia, but the future kids are going to be changed through this. So therefore, even the Kohen Hedyot has Lo Yechalel, even without marriage, so there's no Lo Yikach, he can be punished for Lo Yechalel alone. So this is the Ravid's question, why does the Rambam not take into account what the Gemara says, that if there's a Gemar Bia, they finish the act of relations, then there's also a third prohibition of Chilol Zera, the children's Chalalim, and accordingly it should apply to a Kohen Hedyot too. And Rab Chaim adds that there's another question here, which is that the Gemara quotes Rava asked from a Brisa, which says that an Almana and a Grusha, meaning right now a woman who is both an Almana and a Grusha, she got divorced and was widowed, so the Kohen gets punished for two different prohibitions. So it sounds like we don't take Lo Yechalel into account, it's just for those two. So the Gemara answers, no, it means two for each. In other words, it's two different cases. One is an Almana and one is a Grusha, and in both cases he gets punished twice for lo yikach and lo yichalel. So this is explicit in the Gemara that even when it comes to a grusha, there's lo yichalel. Now, according to the Ravid, we could explain that it's talking about with the Gmar Bia. 
So therefore, the lo yichalel is on the kids lo yichalel. That's the rivet shita that it could apply to grusha in that case. So the gemara would make sense. But according to the Rambam, that lo yichalel never applies to a woman who is a grusha. So how do we make sense of this explicit gemara, which says that a grusha gets punished twice for lo yikach and lo yichalel? So those are the questions that Rab Chaim's going to deal with. So in order to make sense of this, Rab Chaim wants to understand what it means to be a chalal. So he begins with the Rambam in Hilchsi Surabiyah later on in Perkyutes, Halacha Tesvab. He tells us about Yuchsin that if Kohanim or Levim or Yisraelim marry within each other, so the father's from one, the mother's from the other, then Havlad Holech Achar Hazachar. The child's status is determined by the father. And then Levim v'Yisraelim v'Chalolim, let's say those three categories, Levim, Yisraelim, and Chalolim, so they also are allowed to marry each other, if the father's from one and the mother's the other. V'Havlad holech achar hazachar, and here too the child would follow after the father. Shene'emar v'Yisyaldo mishpechosim l'Veisavosam, because the Torah talks about the family coming from the father's family. Beis aviv himishpachto v'en beis imam mishpachto. The father's family is a family, but not the mother's. So the Rambam says, that the rule that we follow the father when it comes to the status of Cholal is derived from the general principle of that the family status always goes to the father. Now, this halacha that a halal always follows the father is in the mission in Kiddushin and Dafa'in Zayin, Bas Cholal Zachar Psulamin Akuna Laolam. The daughter of a halal father is always prohibited to Kohen. And the mission explains that if the father is a Yisrael, the mother is a halala, then she could marry a Kohen because she follows her father. But if the father is a halal and the mother is a Yisrael, then this girl would be prohibited to Kohen. So again, like the Rambam said, it follows the father. Then the Gemara says, I mean, Nolan, how do we know this? So it quotes from Reb Shimon that there's a Gzeir Shava. It says, Lo yichalal zaro be'amav. It uses the word be'amav when it comes to uh, the halal. And then uh, it says, Lo yitame bal be'amav, that a Kohen cannot become impure to a dead body. So that also says be'amav. So the Gemara says, just like in the case of the dead body, it's only men, not female Kohanim. So too, in the case of the halal, and the pasuk of the halal, it goes through the father and not the mother. It's for men and not for women. So the Gemara learns out this halacha that we follow the father in the status of halal from the Gzereshava of Be'amav. And the Rambam learns it out from a different pasuk of the Mishpechosim Levei Savosim. So it says Rab Chaim, this is a big question on the Rambam. Why did he change the Gemara's limud? the Pasuk that the Gemara learned it out from, and insert his own Pasuk instead. So Rab Chaim explains that in the Halacha that a child inherits the status of a Chalal, there's actually two uh, Dinim. The Gemara learns it out from the Pasuk, Lo Yechalal Zaro, that he shouldn't defile his children. Makish Zaro Lo, it compares his children to him. Mahu Bito Psula Af Bito Psula. Just like his daughter would be Psula, she's a Chalala so too his son's daughter is also going to be Psula. So from there we derive that if the father's a halal, his kids are full halalim also. So the most basic concept of this, says Rab Chaim, is that it's a Psul Bia. The fact that the father was prohibited to Kohanim, his status, so his children also inherit that. And we learn this out from the Gemara Nivamas and Daf Samech Tes. It says, Makish Zarolo, that his kids are compared to him, Mahu posal isha, just like the father would defile a woman from marrying a Kohen, Avzaro nami posal isha. So to his kids defile a woman from marrying a Kohen. Now, when it comes to the woman 
who is together with a halal and can no longer marry the Kohen, so that's definitely a psul bia. The issue over here is nothing to do with her birth. She was born totally fine. But since she had bia with someone who defiled her, now she's usher to a Kohen, as if a Kohen had been with someone who was puzzled to a Kohen. Uh, she also could not marry a Kohen after that. So if we compare the children to the mother in this regard, so it means that just like the father, there's a psul bia for anyone that he's with to then go marry a Kohen, so to his kids inherit that psul bia and cannot be with a Kohen. Now, Rab Chaim points out that this basic idea that there's a psul of a halal has nothing to do with that has to do with what family you come from. And this, even though for the kids it does come at birth, but it's not an aspect of their family. It's not their ancestry. It's a psul that their father imparts to them. So it has nothing to do with and we cannot say that it only follows the father and not the mother because a psul can come through the mother also. And especially in this case, when the Torah said Zaro, that his kids are halalim, the Gemara in Kiddush Zion says that it means both boys and girls, all kids are going to be psulim. So if girls also inherit the psul of halala, then it makes sense that a mother should be able to pass that along to her kids. There's no reason to think that a mother can't give it. And that's why the Gemara in Kiddushin asks, why does only the father's status determine halalus and not the mother's? So on that, the Gemara says that there is a Zereshava of Ba'amav Ba'amav that we learn out that when the Torah said the Chilul of Zaro, of the kids, it only meant men, it only meant the father from that Zereshava. And that's the answer to why the Psul of the Chalalus doesn't translate through the mother, because when the Torah said it, according to the Gemara's reading, it only referred to the father passing it along. But all of that only resolves the first aspect. In addition, says Rab Chaim, there is another aspect of the halal, which is that it is a psul mishpacha. The status of the family, the genealogy, so to speak, is that of a halal. And the proof for that is because the Gemara in Kiddushin asks on the Mishnah, which says the rule that if there's Kiddushin, between this man and woman, and there's no Avera, then the child follows the father. So the Gemara asks, why didn't we list a Cholal who married a Yisrael as one of those cases where there's Kiddushin and no Avera and it follows the father? So you see that the Gemara is saying that that case is one of the illustrations of the rule that when it comes to Mishpacha, the ancestry, the genealogy, we follow the father. So the Gemara is saying that a Cholal is also a psul in the mishpacha. It's a din in yichus in how we evaluate the genealogy of these children. Now, when it comes to this second aspect of a halal, that there's a psul mishpacha, there's a psul yichus, the reason why that only goes through the father and not through the mother is because of the general principle of le mishpachosim le that when it comes to mishpacha, then we follow the father. So that's why the Rambam brings that pasuk, that general rule with regard to these halachas because he's trying to fill in what was lacking in the Gemara. The Gemara addressed one aspect of it, which is that a halal is a psul bia. So on that, the Gemara said that Ba'amav teaches us that the, the pasuk of a halal is only talking about it going through the father. And then with regard to the fact that it's also a psul yichus of the mishpacha, so with regard to that, the Rambam said that the reason it only goes through the father is because of the general principle that when it comes to yichus, it goes through the father. 
So that's why there's no contradiction between the Gemara and the Rambam. They're each addressing a separate aspect of Halal and explaining why it only goes to the father. Again, we've seen Rab Chaim use this method throughout the Sefer. It's not one that became very popular with the later followers of Rab Chaim, but he very often will answer the Rambam by saying that the Rambam is filling in a question which remained at the end of the Gemara's discussion. So that's the approach he takes over here also. Either way, the first approach of Rab Chaim is that there are two distinct aspects to the Halal's children also being Halalim. One is that they inherit this Psul Bia, that a Kohen is prohibited to marry her. And the second is that the family's lineage makes the children Halalim, like any other family lineage. Now, in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim shifts to a second way to differentiate two aspects of the children becoming Halalim. And he says that the, maybe the Pasuk of Ba'amav that the Gemara and Kiddushin used also covers the aspect of the yichus of the mishpacha. So from that pasuk, we also learn out that even though the status of this family are halalim, it only goes to the father, not to the mother. So if so, why then did the Rambam need to quote another pasuk of the mishpachosam levesavosam? So Rab Chaim says that we can differentiate within halalus in another way. The first aspect of halalus is that a kohen, a family of Kohanim who become Halalim are no longer Kohanim. They are removed from being Kohanim. And the Rambam in Hilchus Truman Parag Zayin states this explicitly, that a Kohen who's a Halal is considered like a non-Kohen, like a Yisrael for everything. And the Gemara and Yivamos on the Fahindalaram Beis also says that a Halal is not considered the children of Aharon. So a Kohen who's a Halal is removed from being a Kohen. The second is that there's a psul of being a Halal. And that is what prohibits his daughter from marrying a Kohen. And this Rab Chaim proves because the Gemara in Kiddushin quotes Rab Dostoy's opinion that if a Chalal marries a Bas Yisrael, then his daughter can marry a Kohen. But it says Rab Chaim, it's still clear that even according to Rab Dostoy, the daughter herself can't eat Truma because she's a Bas Kohen. She's eligible to marry a Kohen, but she's not allowed to eat Truma as a Bas Kohen. And the same thing with his son. He can't work in the Beis HaMikdash and function like a regular Kohen. He's also allowed to be near a dead body. He's not prohibited on the things that Kohanim are prohibited from. And the reason is that the son and the daughter are Halalim. They're no better than their father, who also can't function like a Kohen, who can't do the Avoda, who can't eat Truma. So the kids are the same thing. So you see that the father was removed from being a Kohen, and therefore his children are also removed from being a Kohen. They get all of the rules of a halal. If the son did avoda, then it would be kosher bidi eved, just like a regular halal. So even according to Rab Dostai, this is a family of halalim. They're kohanim who are removed from being able to function like kohanim. But the psul of halalos doesn't translate to the children and the daughter is allowed to marry a kohen. So what that means, coming back to the Rabbanan who disagree with Reb Dostai, and they hold that the daughter of a Halal is prohibited to a Kohen, they must hold that there are two distinct aspects. First is the din that the Halal is no longer a Kohen, which Reb Dostai also agrees to. And then the Rabbanan hold that there's a second Halacha, which is that there's a psul in the family that it translates into the children that they're also prohibited to a Kohen. And then Rab Chaim says that there's even a more basic proof to this distinction, because the first concept that a family of Kohanim who are Halalim are not Kohanim, that would only apply if they are Kohanim. 
but it has nothing to do with a family of Yisraelim who can't become Chalalim in that way. They anyways are not Kohanim. Being a Chalal is not going to change their status in any way. So the fact that there is a concept of Chalalus even to someone who is never a Kohen, and that is a, a woman who is together with a halal becomes a halala, and now she's prohibited to a kohen. So the very fact that a Yisraelis, who had no relationship to the family of kohanim, could get the status of a halala means that there's a second concept over here, which it does not involve just being removed from being a kohen, but it also involves a specific psul in the lineage, and that a woman, even a Yisraelis, who's together with a kohen, a halal, could also get that status. So this is Rab Chaim's proof for the two-part division that he has now between the idea that halalim are no longer kohanim and that halalim have a defect, a problem in their lineage, which could apply even to a non-Kohen to begin with. So uh, coming back to the children, if we apply this to them, there's two reasons why children of Halalim are a Halal. One is because they are also removed from being Kohanim. They inherit that aspect of their father. And the second is that they inherit the defective lineage of their father. And uh, that's why they're prohibited to marry Kohanim. And even though Reb Chaim says, obviously, there's a difference between a Yisraelis who was together with a Halal that she herself did the Isurbiya and the kids did not do an Isurbiya, but the, still the same two concepts are going to apply to the children. So if so, this now explains why the Rambam felt that he had to add in another Pasigal, even though the Gemara and Kiddushin's Ba'amav teaches us that the aspect of Chalolus, which is a defective lineage, only goes to the father, it doesn't go through the mother. And we needed to learn that because we would have thought that if either side has this problematic lineage, then the children become halalim and they're prohibited to marry a Kohen. So that's explicitly why the Gemara has to come along and say, Ba'amav teaches us that it only goes to the father and not through the mother. And that takes care of the psul in the yichus, the, that the family has a problem that they're halalim. But the Rambam in Hilchos Yisurei Bia, Perak is not talking about whether they can marry a Kohen. He's talking about whether they themselves are Kohanim. You have a Levi, a Yisrael, and a Chalal who married. Are the children considered Kohanim or not? So that's why the Rambam has to insert that we apply the general rule of that in this case, we also always follow the father and the kids are considered Chalalim in the sense that they are removed from being full Kohanim. So this approach also explains why the Rambam quoted a different Pasuk than the Gemara because the Gemara is talking about the psul, that they are halalim, they can't marry kohanim, and the Rambam is talking about the fact that they are removed from being kohanim, and that is a result of their lineage, that we follow the father, and he is a halal. So that's why he applies, the Gemara is talking about a psul that comes through either side, so that's why we need the special Gzereshava of Ba'amav Ba'amav to teach us that it only goes through the father. Now, Rab Chaim quotes the Rambam in Hilchisur Abiyah Perak Yudches says that a halal who is together with Abbas Yisrael, she becomes a zona. That's why she's prohibited to the Kohen. There's two different things. There's a zona who's a promiscuous woman and there's a halala who's a woman who's prohibited to a Kohen. 
So the Rambam holds that a Chalal and a Bas Yisrael turns her into a Zona, but the Rab Chaim points out that Tosvos and the Rajba and Kiddush and Daf Samach Zayin disagree, and they say that she becomes a Chalala, not a Zona. Because they ask a question that if the Chalal status would go through the mother also, then it wouldn't even need to go through the father, because as soon as the father Chalal is together with the mother, even if she's a regular Bas Yisrael, she becomes a Chalala, and then she would pass it along to her children. So Rab Chaim says, you see clearly that they hold that she becomes a Chalala, because that halacha is not going to apply if she becomes a Zona, she's not going to pass along Chalala to her children. That's a special rule in a Chalala that she would pass it along. So it must be that Tosas and the Rash behold that if a Chalala is with a Bas Yisrael, she becomes a Chalala and not a Zona. Now, why does the Rambam disagree and hold that she becomes a Zona? So, Rab Chaim explains the Rambam had a major distinction between a Zona and a Chalala, that a Chalala is only if the Bia was prohibited in the type of prohibition, which would be usur for a Kohen. That's what the Gemara in Kiddushan and the Ayn Zayin says. So, the relations have to be an Isur of the type of relations that Kohanim are Asr, in order to make this woman into a Chalala. And that's not true. A Chalal who marries a Bas Yisrael is a permitted union. So that wouldn't be a problem that turns her into a Chalala. But as Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Zona is different. It just means that there was some sort of defiled relations here. And therefore, even though this was a permitted union, but a halal with the Bas Yisrael would turn her into a zone. And Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam in that parak in Helsi Surabiya, parak Yudches, in Halacha Hey, he basically says this almost explicitly. But the problem with the Rambam's shita is that turning the children into halalim and turning his wife into halala have the same criteria. So even if we're going to say that in general it has to be an Isr Bia of an Isr Kahuna that makes the woman into halala, but certainly when it comes to the kids, that's not the case because a halal with a Bas Yisrael makes the kids halalim. So if so, the wife should also become a halala in that case. We learn out the children becoming halalim from Zarolo, the heckish that his kids are like him. So if the kids are halalim in that case, then the wife should also become a halala. And how could the Rambam say that she's a zona? So Rab Chaim says that it must be, in order to answer the Rambam, that the Rambam had a very sharp distinction between the wife becoming a halala and the children becoming a halala. And this mirrors the distinction Rab Chaim made before. The wife becomes a halala because of the bia, because she was together with a halal. But the kids, it has nothing to do with the act of bia. It has to do with the psul mishpacha, that they are descended from a father who is a halal. So that's why if the father's a halal and the mother's a Yisrael, the kids are halalim, even though there was no prohibited bia whatsoever. But the yichus of the mishpacha translates into the kids. But in such a case, the mother does not become a halala because it was a perfectly valid, permitted 
union, and therefore she becomes a zona instead. And this that the Gemara derives the children from him, that he's the same as his son, Rab Chaim says that that's just telling us the basic halacha, that the kids are halalim. But the reasoning behind it, the underlying reason why they become halalim, there's a major difference between how he makes his wife a halala versus how his kids become halalim. The wife depends on it being a bia of Isur, but the children, it only depends on the yichus of the family. So that's why, according to the Rambam, the fact that the children are halalim doesn't prove in any way that any woman who has relations with the halal becomes a halala because that children becoming halalim works differently than the wife becoming a halala. So if so, then now we understand why Tosas and the Rajba disagree, and they hold that in such a case the woman would become a halala, because Tosas and the Rajba take the heckish of him and his children much more literally, much more strongly, and therefore, even though they could generally agree with the Rambam's definition that a woman only becomes a halala if she has relations with a man that would be an Isr Kahuna, but a halal is an exception to the rule because we see that his kids become halalim, so there must be something about having relations with a halal, even if it's allowed, that it still creates the status of halalim in the kids. So if so, we translate that also to the mother, that she also becomes a halala through these relations. So that's where Tosus and the Rajba disagree with the Rambam. Now, Rab Chaim uses this explanation of the Rambam in Perak Yud Ches. He comes back to the major issue he's been discussing throughout, which is why the children of halalim are a halal. And again, if we remember, there were two different approaches as to what the distinction is. The first approach was that the bia of the halal father turns his children into halalim versus the psul mishpacha, that there's a lineage that turns them into halalim. That was the first distinction. The second approach distinguished between the yichus of the family versus that the family of kohanim who are halalim are removed from being kohanim. Now, says Rab Chaim, the way he just explained the Rambam, he holds that the bia of the halal does not make his children into halalim, and that's why the wife is not a halala in that case. So it must be that the Rambam only holds that children of halalim are halalim because of the status of the family, the yichus. So if so, says Rab Chaim, must be the second approach is correct. There's a difference between the yichus mishpacha versus that if they were originally kohanim, they are now removed from being kohanim. But the, the first approach, which had the concept that the halal's bia, the relations with the woman, makes the children into halalim, that does not seem to be correct in the Rambam. But Rab Chaim ends, even though this is a really brilliant analysis to take his explanation of the machlokas, the Rambam and Tosvos, and shed light on which of his approaches is the correct one, but it's not 100% foolproof, and Rab Chaim only says things that are 100%. So uh, that's how he ends that. Now, either way, we have this approach that there's two different aspects of becoming a halal, that the family is now removed from being kohanim, and that they have the status of halalim, which will go to their children and prohibit them from marrying kohanim. So now Rab Chaim comes back to the original Rambam we began with, who holds that the kohen does not get punished for the love of making a woman a halala. He 
only a Kohen Gadol with an Almana, but if she was already a Zona Grusha or Halala, he, then the Kohen would not get punished for that. And Rab Chaim says, now we could explain the Shittas HaRambam. And this is based on his distinction between the two aspects of the children becoming Halalim. One is that the family is no longer Kohanim. And the second one is that they have the status of Halalim which, with regards to marrying Kohanim. So Rab Chaim says, the Rambam holds that the love of making one's children Halalim, below Yechalel, only refers to the aspect that they cannot marry Kohanim. The status of the family is Halalim. And that there's a prohibition. But the Torah's prohibition of a halal does not apply to the aspect that if they were kohanim, they are no longer considered kohanim, they can't do the avoda. On that aspect of halalim, the lav is not talking about. And the proof for this, says Rab Chaim, is because the lav is also talking about his wife. He can't make her a halala. And that case is even where she's not a koheness at all. She doesn't come from kohanim. She's a zara, a regular Yisrael lady. So the change that's happening to her is that she's puzzled to marry a Kohen, and that's what the Torah is talking about. So when it compares the wife to the children, it's also talking about that aspect, but it's not talking about the aspect that if they were Kohanim, they cannot serve. Now, Rabbi Chaim points out the obvious problem, which is that both aspects are learned from the Pasuk. So the fact that they are no longer considered Kohanim is also derived from that Pasuk. That's the source for everything. So Rabbi Chaim says that it's true that both aspects of a Chalal are derived from this Pasuk, and he says that the, the reason is because they're interrelated. It's all the same thing, really. It's a chilul shel kahuna. They are defiled from the kahuna in general, which means two things. First of all, if they were kohanim, they no longer are, and they're prohibited to kohanim. So, of course, both aspects are included in the Pasuk, but still, the lav for which someone could be punished is only referring to the specific aspect that they cannot marry kohanim. It's not talking about the other aspect aspect that they are removed from kahuna. And this idea both supports and also finds support in the whole issue that Rab Chaim talked about, that the Rambam invokes the principle of that we follow the father when it comes to halalim, even though the Gemara learned it out from Ba'amav. Says Rab Chaim, and this is basically what he said, but in addition to how he's reading the Rambam now, it makes even more sense that the lav is only talking about the fact that they cannot marry Kohanim. So when the Gemara says that from Ba'amav we learn out that it only goes to the father, it's referring specifically to that aspect of the Chalal. But with regards to the fact that they are no longer Kohanim themselves, they cannot function as Kohanim, that we don't derive from that lav. That's what Rab Chaim just said, that it's not included in the specific lav, even though it's included in the Pasuk. So therefore, the Rambam had to invoke a different concept of L'mishpachosim L'veisavosam. And as Rab Chaim explained before, that is an issue of status. So it makes sense to invoke the general principle that when it comes to Yichus, we follow the Father. So with this approach, all harmonizes together. It brings uh, all the uh, different strands Rab Chaim's talking about together. Now, given this, that the Rambam holds the love is only referring to the Isser to marry Kohanim, says Rab Chaim, this explains why the Rambam holds that a Kohen never gets punished for the Chilol Zera, for making his children Halalim. And the reason is because every case where the children become Halalim, there's already the concept that they can't be Kohanim. They're removed from being Kohanim. So in addition to them being removed from being a family of Kohanim, they also cannot marry Kohanim, but that just 
goes on top of the Cholal, which is anyways there, for which the Kohen's not going to be punished. In other words, the fact that his children are no longer Kohanim is not something the Kohen father is going to be punished for because that's not explicit in the love. So the only thing we could punish him for is the fact that they can't marry Kohanim. But this, that they can't marry Kohanim, just exists on top of, or almost because of, the fact that they are not a family of Kohanim anymore. They've been defiled from the Kahuna. So we can't punish him because his actions didn't really contribute anything. Now, Reb Chaim points out, obviously, these two aspects of the halal come at the same time. So if we're talking about chronologically, neither of them precedes the other. But in theory, this that they can't marry Kohanim is related to the fact that they are no longer Kohanim. And every case where the children are now prohibited from marrying Kohanim is also a case where they have been removed from the Kahuna and we can't punish him for that aspect. So that is why the Rambam holds that we don't punish a Kohen for the Chilol Zera. And as we know, the Rambam holds that the Chilol of the wife is derived from the Chilol of the children. They're all the same thing. So if we don't punish him for the Chilol of the Zera, then we also don't punish him for the Chilol of the wife. And that's why the Rambam says that we don't punish a regular Kohen for the love of Lo Yechalel. Now, the one case where the Rambam admits that there is a change in status, something is happening, is the Kohen Gadol with the Almana because she was not prohibited to a regular Kohen beforehand. So when she is with the Kohen Gadol, at that moment she becomes a Halala and separate from her children becoming Halalim, we're able to punish the Kohen Gadol. So this explains the Shittas HaRambam, why we don't punish for the love of Chilol Zera. And the, the Ravid's argument against this, says Rab Chaim, is he holds that we can differentiate between the Chilol Zera and the wife. Meaning, even though when it comes to the Chilol of the wife, we say that if she's already Mechuleles and nothing is changing, then we don't punish the husband. But when it comes to the kids, we don't apply that same rule. So even though they do have this chilo that they are no longer kohanim, but we still punish the father for the fact that he is making his children prohibited to kohanim. So that's the machlokas, the Rambam and the Raivet. Again, based on these two aspects of the Chilol, that the kids are no longer Kohanim and they can't marry Kohanim, according to the Rambam, since they are already Chalolim, which we don't punish for, then we're not going to punish for the additional aspect that they can't marry Kohanim. And according to the Raivet, we do punish if there's a Gmar Bia for Chilol Zera. Now, Reb Chaim deals with a very interesting Yerushalmi. The Mishnah and Kiddushin quotes the basic principle, which is anywhere where the parents were allowed to be married, so the child follows the status of the father, and anywhere where there was a Kiddushin, but it was an Avera, they were prohibited to get married, so then the child follows whichever parent has a deficiency. Now, the Yushalmi asks, what about the case of a Cholal marrying a Bas Yisrael, which is a case where there is Kiddushin and no Avera, and the child does not follow the father, the child follows whichever parent has a deficiency. So according to the Yushalmi, the reason in this case the children are Chalalim is not because we follow the father, but because whichever parent would have a lineage issue, we follow that parent and give the kids their status. Now, Rab Chaim points out that this explicitly argues on the Bavli, which we quoted before from Kiddushin Dafsamach Zayin, which says that in a case of a Chalal who married a Bas Yisrael, the child is a Chalal because we follow the father in such a case. So the Bavli holds that it's a 
a case of following the father, and the Yerushalmi holds that it's a case of holech achar pogum shebishnei, and we follow whoever has a problem. Now, Rab Chaim points out that there's a major problem with the Yerushalmi's position, which is that it goes up against an explicit Mishnah. In Kiddushin Dafayin Zayin, the Mishnah says that if the father's a Cholol, then the daughter is Psula to marry a Kohen. But if the father is a Yisrael and the mother is a Chalala, then the daughter can marry a Kohen. So it says very explicitly that in a case where the mother is a Chalala, we do not follow her, which goes against the Yerushalmi that in such a case we should follow whichever parent has the problematic lineage. So in order to answer this question, Rab Chaim raises the following issue. The Rambam says that the reason Chalal follows the father is because of the general principle of that we follow father's lineage. So there's two ways to formulate this. Either we could say that even though there's a different rule, which is that when there's a psul, one of the families has a deficiency in the lineage, then we follow both parents. But the rule of halolim is that they are removed from the regular rule that determines psulim, and we apply the other rule of status, which is l'mishpachosim l'veisavosim. So that means that if the mother's a halala, even though in other cases of psulim, the mother's status would transfer to the child, but this is an exception to the rule, and we only apply the father's status. That's the first approach to formulate this halacha. And the second approach, says Rab Chaim, is that really a halal is the same as every psul. It goes to the father or the mother. But the Rambam is talking about a family of Kohanim who are now removed from being Kohanim. And the Kohen part of it only goes to the father. So if the mother's a halala, it's not going to transfer, not because the halala aspect doesn't transfer, but because these children are not Kohanim to begin with. So there's nothing to make them halalim about. They're not defiled Kohanim because they're not Kohanim at all. Only if the father is a halal do they get the status of defiled Kohanim. So that's why halalim would be an exception to the regular rule of psulim, which follows either the father or the mother, because here you need to be a Kohen to begin with, and that only goes to the father. So interestingly enough, according to this second formulation, a halal father passes on to his kids, not just that they're halalim, but also some element of kahuna, and on that there's a status of halalim. Now, according to the second approach, says Rab Chaim, this would explain the Yushalmi's statement that we follow the mother who's a halala, because let's say the father is a Kohen or a halal, and then he marries a halala. So the kids do have that aspect of kahuna, and now they would be considered halalim, not only from the father's side, but also from the mother's side. So that's exactly what the Yushalmi is saying, that the mother does transfer the halala status also to to her children. But the Mishnah, which says that if a Yisrael marries a Halala, the daughter is kosher to marry a Kohen, is not a stira to that. It doesn't contradict the Yerushalmi, because that's a case where the father is a Yisrael, so the kids are not Kohanim at all, and like Rab Chaim said, they can't be Halalim in that case. The Yerushalmi is only talking about if the father is either a Kohen or a Halal himself, then the mother's Halala status also contributes to the children's becoming Halalim. And according to this approach, now says Rab Chaim, we could even add that the Bavli and the Yushalmi don't even disagree. They're talking about two different things. When the Bavli says that if the father's a halal, the kids are a halal, it's talking about the type of halalus which comes to the kids through the bia 
of the parents, the fact that these parents were together. And when it comes to the bia of the parents, both of them transfer the halal status to the kids, like a, a psul. And the proof for that is because the Mishnah says that the, a Kohen Gadol with an Almana or a Grusha Chalutza to a Kohen Hedyot, the kids go after the deficiency of both. So in that case, the halalus comes from the mother, the father's a regular Kohen, but the mother was with the father in a prohibited way. So now she created the halalus in this case, and it still transfers to the kid. So we see that when it comes to Bia, it goes through both the father and the mother. And that's why the Bavli has to point out that in the case of the Yisrael and the Halala, or the Halal and the Shera Yisraelis, that we only follow the father in that Bia. We don't follow the mother. There would have been grounds to think if the father is a Kohen and through this the mother became a Halala, that we do follow the mother's status as a Halala when we transfer whatever happens through that Bia. So that's why the Gemara says that when there was no Avera, so either the father's a Yisrael and the mother's a Halala or vice versa, then we only follow the father and only if he's a Halal does it transfer to the kids. But this whole thing is only focused on the case of Halalim kids that got it through their parents' bia. So in such a case, we follow the father and not the mother. But when the Yushalmi says that we follow both of them, so it's talking about the status of the family, which comes through and the way any other lineage comes, not through the act of bia, but just by having children, and there we follow both the father and the mother. So they're not disagreeing, the Babli and the Yushalmi. They're talking about two different ways that the halal status is transferred, either through the bia itself, which only goes through the father, or through the status of the family, which goes through either parent. So this sounds very convoluted, but basically at the end of Reb Chaim's whole piece, he has a three-part distinction between how the kids become halalim. There are two different distinctions with two approaches in each. And if you put them all together, there's three. And that explains the Rambam, the Bavli, and the Yushalmi because each of them is discussing a different aspect of this. The three aspects are, one, the kids become halalim because of the bia. Sometimes the fact that their parents were together passes along the halalim status. Number two is it sometimes comes from the family. The status of the family is that their lineage is halalim. And number three, if the family is kohanim, then the halalim means that they are no longer treated as kohanim. And the Rambam is talking about this third aspect, why they're not Kohanim, and he explains that it's like any other status, it goes through the father, he passes along that they are Kohanim Halalim, so he has to pass along both aspects of that. Uh, the Bavli is talking about the Bia, which makes them Halalim. And there we say that it only goes to the father because of Ba'amav. And finally, the Yushalmi is talking about the, how the family status gets passed along. And that, like any other psul, goes through either parent. So this explains these three sources that uh, have two different sources, why it only goes to the father and one that it goes through both of them because there are three different aspects of how the children become halalim. Now, coming back to the Rambam that we began with, that there is no punishment for Velo Yechalel in a case of a regular Kohen with a Grusha Zona or Halala, 
And the Raivet asked, what about the kids? There is a Chilol Zera, so he should be punished for that. So Rab Chaim says that now we can formulate this answer even more sharply than we just did before. And that is that the Rambam holds that the punishment of Chilol Zera only comes about when the Chilol of the kids was through the act of the Bia. Then we can say that the act of Bia has a sin associated with it of Eloi Chalel, that he made the children of this Bia into Chalalin. So that's when we could punish him. But if it's just passing along the status of the family, for that we can't punish him. That's just the, the reality that he is a halal, and that status gets passed along, but we can't punish him because his kids inherited the status of his family. That can't be a love. So that's why the Rambam holds that in a case of a regular Kohen, if he marries a halala, so the way Rab Chaim just explained this Bavli Yerushalmi, in that case, the mother's status as a halala also gets passed along to the kids. And even in the other cases of a Grusha and a Zona, once she's together with the Kohen, that act of Bia transforms her into Halala. So the fact that the kids are Halalim is also partially due to the fact that the mother was a Halala. So in all cases of a regular Kohen, whether the wife was already a Halala or she becomes a Halala, this that the kids are Halalim is due partially to the mother, she also passes along that status, as the Yerushalmi said. So that explains why we can never punish the father for his kids' halalus, because by the time they become halalim, they also have the mother's status as a halala, which is the family lineage which got passed down to them. So even though the father's act of bia also makes them into halalim, but we can't punish him for that, the way Rab Chaim said before, because they're already halalim. This is not changing their status totally. They would have been halalim because of the family status. So that's why the Rambam says that we can never punish this Kohen for the halalus status of his kids because uh, they got some of that from the mother and she can't be punished for that because that's the family status. We don't punish for the fact that the family status gets passed along. So there is no case with a regular Kohen where he's going to be punished for Chilol. Uh, the woman that he's marrying is already prohibited to Kohen and the kids have the fact that they're descended from the mother. They have her lineage. So the father is not changing their status. Only the one exception would be a Kohen Gadol with a widow because he is changing the wife's status, not the kids, but the wife is now becoming prohibited to a regular Kohen. So that's why that's the one case where he gets punished. So again, the Rambam applies the same criteria that we apply to the wife, that her status has to be changed. Also to the kids, that if their status is not changed through what the father did, then he doesn't get punished. And that's what the Ravid disagrees with. He agrees with the, everything else that we've been saying, that the kids inherit from the mother part of the Chilol, but the Ravid holds that even so we punish the father for what he added to the kids becoming halalim. We don't apply the same criteria, even though when it comes to the wife, he has to transform her status, but that is not required when it comes to the kids, even if he's just adding to their status as halalim, we can still punish the father. So that's Rab Chaim's approach. It's uh, the same as what he suggested before, but now he's formulating it much sharper and pulling together all the different strands that he's been discussing. Now, Rab Chaim began with two questions. One was the Ravid's question, why doesn't the Rambam recognize the Gemara's category of Chilol Zera that we get punished for? But then he had another question, which is that the Gemara in Kiddushin explicitly says that for an Almana and a Grusha, 
Also, for a case of a Kohen with a Grusha, he gets punished twice. Once for the Grusha and once for Velo Yechala. So this seems to totally contradict the Rambam, who says that there is no Velo Yechala in a case of a Grusha, because she's already uh, Aserta Kohen. So Rab Chaim never got back to this question, and on the bottom there's a little note that there's something missing here. He never gets back to that. The Chazon Ish in his notes, even though he's usually questioning Rab Chaim, but here he actually helps out Rab Chaim by filling in what he thinks Rab Chaim meant to answer. And he explains that the Magid Mishnah already says that the Gemara seems to have backed off from that line that a Grusha gets punished for two. And the reason is because, uh, as we saw before, when the Gemara later talks about an Abaya and Rava, who gets punished for Velo Yechalel, it only says the case of an Almana to Kohen Gadol. And the, the Rambam took that very literally. That's where he got his whole Shita, that only in that case is there another punishment for Velo Yechalel. So uh, the Magid Mishnah already said that when it comes to the woman herself, the Gemara backed off of the Chilol being a punishment for the Grusha, and it changed its mind. So the Chazonish says that according to Rab Chaim, that would also be true with regard to the Chilol Zera, that when the Gemara changed its mind and said that she can't be punished in a case where she's already prohibited to Kohen, we're not going to punish him for the Velo Yechalel in that case. So the same thing is with her kids, because according to Rab Chaim, they already are prohibited from the status of their mother. So Rab Chaim's whole idea that the mother also can pass along the status of the Chalala is going to mean that once we don't punish the father for the mother's Chilol, then we also don't punish him for the kid's Chilol because his making his kids Chalalim is only adding on to what the mother already accomplished. And according to the Rambam, we don't punish in that case. There are other versions of Rab Chaim's idea that are recorded that uh, expand on this and how he explained the Gemara and Kiddushin, but this is the Chazonish's speculation, how he would answer that question from the Gemara and Kiddushin. Now, this is a fairly technical, complicated piece. Uh, the key conceptual point that Reb Chaim is discussing is how does the halal status get transferred to the kids? And he has two different distinctions that he makes. One is that it gets transferred through the act of Bia versus that it gets transferred through the lineage of the family. It's the family status. And the second distinction is between the family status being passed along, that the kids are prohibited to marry a Kohen versus that if they're Kohanim, they are no longer treated as Kohanim. They're defiled from the Kohuna. And ultimately, Rabbi Chaim puts this all together and he has three different sources which discuss three different aspects of it. So there is one aspect that the act of Bia transmits the status of a Chalal to any kids born from that Bia. Number two is that the family lineage gives it to all the kids in the family. And number three is that they're, if they're Kohanim, they are no longer able to function as Kohanim. And we'll just end with one historical tidbit. Uh, the Imre Moshe from Rab Moshe Sokolovsky, who was a Rosh Hashiva in Brisk and heard Torah from Rab Chaim. So he quotes this piece in brief, just the aspect that the Yerushalmi that says that it gets transferred from either the father or the mother is because you really only need the father to make the kids Kohanim. If they're not Kohanim at all, then they can't be Chalalim. So that was one part of this piece in Rab Chaim. So after quoting that, he says, that Rab Chaim expanded on this with very profound words. So having learned through the piece, we can uh, certainly agree that it's very profound and a bit complicated.